listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm very excited about this today. Proverbs, uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible, this collection of Proverbs. Um, I love it. There's so much to be gleaned from the book of Proverbs. It's actually very hard to break it down to only seven, but, but we only have, a, you know, one broadcast to do this today. But these would be seven that I would say that would instantly increase uh, the blessing of God on your life. If you chose every single day, I'm going to live by these seven. Of course, we should live by all of them, but you talk about an immediate change in your life. Let, let me give you just a quick story about how the practicality of the book of Proverbs um, can keep your life from trouble. When I was younger, I knew this man who his daughter um, was dating a guy and um, the guy was kind of really leaning on them for money um, and, and so, you know, kind of guilt tripping the, the girlfriend into like, man, I, really, I would really like your, your dad uh, to be able to like sign on a, a car for me so that I could get a car or whatever. They didn't really even know him. They hadn't been dating that long and the dad didn't really know the guy at all. But uh, somehow he talked his way in to getting them to sign on a car for him, uh, this boyfriend. And so the dad did it, signed on the, on the loan for the car. And it wasn't, you know, a couple of months later that... The, the boyfriend was nowhere to be found and the payments were not being paid on the car. And all of a sudden now the dad is stuck with all of these payments and the debt on this car, which he didn't even have. The car is gone with the guy. So now he's in a place where he's paying on something that he should never have to pay on. Well, if he would literally just have read the book of Proverbs, there's an actual verse in Proverbs that says, do not co-sign on a stranger's debt. That actually sounds extremely practical, not very spiritual, but I bet you feel like it sounds spiritual when you're paying on the co- you're paying on the stranger's debt. And so, you look at the book of Proverbs. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning, it even tells you um, in the beginning of the book why Proverbs is written and collected. And l- listen to this, by the way, until we before we start. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Listen to this. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple. Catch that. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. I love that. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And then go a step further to understand the proverb is saying the words of the wise and their riddles. So it starts to go into why the book of Proverbs has been created. And it's to give understanding and wisdom to the young, to help people to guide their lives so that they're like literally guided uh, and led away from destruction and into blessing so that you can actually uh, deal in prudence, the Bible says. 
And so if you'll just literally follow the book of Proverbs, many times throughout the book, you'll see that it talks about how wisdom leads to safety, wisdom leads to blessing, wisdom leads to protection. All of these things are true. All these things are true. And so the book of Proverbs is given to us by God. By the way, every uh, thing in the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We know that. And the book of Proverbs has been given to us for the purpose of protection, safety, uh, increase, blessing. That's the result. Uh, Peace. That's huge, by the way. Peace. Living in peace as a result of obeying Proverbs. And so we're going to give you seven today. I'm going to give you seven different Proverbs and secrets from the book of Proverbs that will help you to walk. uh, And literally, if you look at it, it's going to give you seven different blessings that come from obeying these seven different Proverbs. And I would, I would love, in fact, I had a plan at one point, which I still will do. I'm sure at some, at some time, what's up, Terry. Uh, And that is to create a book for young people based on uh, Proverbs that will immediately affect their life. And so this is kind of a mini version of that, but this is going to help you today. Extremely, extremely important. So open your Bible. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs uh, through the whole broadcast. I'll give you seven things that will change your life uh, from the book of Proverbs. And let's jump in. The first one is found in uh, the fourth chapter of Proverbs. And I almost feel like This is the most important of the seven, which is why I'm starting with it. Uh, Because as you understand the way that your life works, you'll understand that this is the most important of all seven today. So Proverbs chapter four is where we're beginning and uh, the 23rd verse, Proverbs 4, 23. Tiff, I think if you'll refresh that page, you won't have to keep scrolling down. Uh, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart, catch this now, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So let me break this down quickly. Um, One translation says, guard your heart. This translation, the ESV says, keep your heart, guard your heart or keep your heart. So you're, according to the Bible, all of the springs of life, everything that takes place uh, throughout your life is governed by what is in your heart. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Why is that true? Why is it true that everything that happens in your life is based upon what is in your heart, what goes in your heart, what comes out? Well, let's think about it for a second. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your words will actually be generated from what you've put in your heart. It's almost like this. You put a certain fuel in your heart And then that fuel that you've placed in your heart will then begin to create uh, the production of your life. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, what's in your heart? That's the first question. 
You know, one thing that I've noticed is that people who are always, and this is just going to be a rule, it's just how, the, how life works. People that are always interested in the report of the world, catch this, they're always interested in what's going on in the world. They're always tuned in uh, to the news. They, all, they have alerts that'll go off for all of their, uh, like literally Twitter feed for all the Fox News and CNBC and all that. They're constantly taking in the report of the world. And then, you know, if, you're, if that's who you are, but then you never end up filling yourself with the word of God, listening to preaching and teaching, building your faith, everything that goes into your heart is going to be governed by the report of the world. So what's going to come out of your mouth? You're going to be speaking the report of the world. You'll be speaking what you heard from a carnal source. Now, here's the danger of that. If you're always going to be speaking what you heard from a carnal source, then what's going to happen? You're going to have the results that everyone else has in life. Because listen to me, everybody has access to the report of the world. Every, in fact, I want you to put that in the comments today. Everybody has access to the report of the world. Everybody. Sinners have that. And sinners can understand it. Sinners can talk about it. Sinners can engage with it. But understand what sinners cannot do. The Bible says that the word of God is literally foolishness unto them. The unbeliever. The word of God is foolishness to the unbeliever. They can't understand it. They have no ability to understand it. And so we can though, because we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And as a result of having the mind of Christ, we can understand and discern the word of the Lord. Our faith can be built by that word. And then what happens? We're filling ourselves, our hearts, with a supernatural substance that will govern supernatural confession. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. That's how it works. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. And so your words are the immediate fuel for, for the production of your life. That's so important to understand. My words are the immediate, are the fuel for the immediate production of my life. So understand this. What I say carries power. What you say carries power. And so what you choose to release verbally is actually going to be what you see manifest in the natural realm. That is not a new age principle or philosophy. That's not some kind of, you know, that's the biggest criticism that religious people have of like the Pentecostal and word of faith movement is the power of confession, the power of your tongue. You know, well, that's new age principles. It's not. It's something that was taught by Jesus, taught by the apostles thousands of years before there was a new age movement. It has nothing to do with the, that. If any, if anything, the new age philosophers stole that from Christianity. You'd be like, you're preaching what's found in the book, The Secret. No, it has nothing to do with the law of attraction. It's not new age principle or philosophy. It is scriptural principle. How do you get around what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 11? That if you speak to the mountain and tell it to be cast into the sea and you do not doubt in your heart, 
that you shall have whatsoever you say. You shall have whatsoever you say. When did he choose to teach that to them? Right after they recognized, hey, your words came to pass when you cursed the fig tree. Jesus, that fig tree you cursed, it's dead just like you said. Yeah. So now let me explain to you why it's dead. Because there's power in your words. What you say has power to come to pass. If you speak to the mountain, tell it to be cast into the sea, you don't doubt in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say. You see that? Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. You see that? Jesus is teaching on that very thing, that exact thing. There was no new age philosophy. The secret had not yet been released in Barnes and Noble, but Jesus is still teaching that what you say, what you declare will come to pass. You have power in your words. In fact, it's not one of the ones that I'm covering on the broadcast today, but it ties in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. There's power in your words. There's power in what you speak and in what you say. So we start with this principle from Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. If you choose not to guard your heart, if you don't guard it, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Anything will enter in. And as a result, anything will come out of your mouth. And as a result, anything will happen in your life. You'll be one of those, you never know what life's going to bring you. I know what life's going to bring me because I don't allow life to govern me. I govern life by the word of God and my obedience to it, my confession, my faith actions. And they produce a specific harvest. It's very specific. It's specific. You know, it's like, that'd be as foolish as saying, well, you know, I'm gonna plant these apple seeds in the ground. Who knows what kind of tree is gonna come up? I know exactly what kind of tree is gonna come up because of the seed. Well, I'm going to plant these orange seeds, but who knows what kind of tree is going to come up. I know exactly what kind of tree is going to come up, an orange tree, because I planted orange seeds. So don't tell me that you're going to live in obedience to the word and that you're going to do what the Bible says and you're going to confess right things and say, well, but life will still throw you a curveball. I know what life's going to produce. I know what it's going to produce. Why? Because of the fact I've been releasing faith seeds, faith actions, faith words. And they produce a harvest that's sure. Amen. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Out of it flow the issues of life. Don't allow just, you know, I've excused myself from conversations before. Might be something you'll need to do. Excuse yourself. You might have relationships with people that no longer, they don't follow, uh, they don't want to follow after God. They don't want to follow after God. They don't want to do what the word of God says. And so they just continue saying whatever, doing whatever. I'm not, that's not how I'm living. I'm not doing that. So if you've got to excuse yourself uh, from conversations, excuse yourself. If you have to do it, do it. Because I refuse to allow my faith to be polluted by people that are just talking nonsense all the time. I don't have time for that. I've got a purpose. You've got a purpose. God's called you to something. He's called you to something. You've got a purpose. And so the key being, guard your purpose by guarding your heart. So very important. I can't stress enough how vital it is 
for you to guard your heart. I cannot stress it enough. It's a treasure that God's given you. It's a treasure. Don't allow that treasure to be manipulated or harassed by a spirit of this world. Amen. Number two, let's go to Proverbs chapter one. This is the second principle that will change your life without question, without question. Proverbs chapter one, and we're going to uh, read verse number seven. Listen to this. Proverbs 1, 7, this is point number two. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now look at the last half. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools do. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Nope. You know, because I've said this, I don't know, for at least a couple of years on the broadcast. Correction is just direction. I've said it often. Correction is just direction. I want you to put it in the comments today, every person watching. Correction is just direction. Don't be a person who hates correction. Don't be a person who hates instruction. Don't be that person. The Bible says fools hate wisdom and instruction. They hate it. Correction is just direction. You know, I always use this example because it sounds funny, but like, can you imagine putting a a destination into Google maps? Can you imagine doing that? And then when, when Google maps started giving you voice guided, (laughs) you know, uh, turn by turn navigation, you started yelling at your phone. Like, you don't know me. I can't believe, who do you think you are telling me which way to go? I'll drive this car anywhere I want to. No, you even understand, carnal people even understand that if my GPS is giving me course correction, it's because it's taking me to my desired destination as quickly as possible. As quickly as possible. That's the whole point. It's the same in life. If I've got people that are helping me and giving me correction, it's because they can see that the way that I'm currently doing it is not going to help me or get me to where I want to go. And so what are they doing? They're bringing correction so that I will get to my destination in the quickest way possible. Correction is just direction. It's all it is. If you hired, think about if you hired a personal trainer who was going to come and help you lift weights or whatever it might be. They might stop and watch you, you know, curling with a, you know, with dumbbells or with a a, a barbell. And they may say, Hey, uh, you're doing that wrong. You're swinging your back. You know, you're swinging your back, back at rocking back and forth at your waist and you're not isolating the muscles of your biceps. And so uh, change that. Don't swing your back. Don't move forward and back. Keep your core steady, keep your back steady, and keep your elbows locked in, and only use the bicep muscles to curl. Well, you could get all, you could get angry if you wanted to. This is how I do curls. This is how I work out. Or you could look at the person you hired to give you advice, and most of the time, if you're paying money, people are going to listen, and say, okay, 
I'm doing, that's wrong technique. That's not going to build my muscles the way I want to. So what do I need to change? And he'll, they will give you, he or she that you've hired will give you instruction. But what really is it? Correction. They're correcting your technique so that you will grow in the area in which you want to grow. The same is true in every single area of life. Correction is just direction. And the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so it takes a fear of the Lord to obey his word. That's the point. That if you don't fear him, you won't obey his word. And the, the wisest thing that anybody could do is obey the word of God. In fact, if you've never heard that said or you've never thought that before, I want you to write it in the comments. The wisest thing I can do is obey God's word. The wisest thing that I could do is obey God's word. Amen. That's what brings increase. And the Bible says here, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So let's flip that because we're not fools on this broadcast. We are not, the victory tribe is not filled with fools. It's filled with people that are intelligent, people that are wise. So let's flip that to apply to our lives. Wise people love wisdom and instruction. Wise people love wisdom and instruction. Amen. And so one of the reasons that I love instruction, and I do, so much so that I literally, I will watch tutorials for hours at a time to learn things that I don't know. I'm that kind of a person. I want to, I want to learn it in the best way that I possibly can. I want to get the best at it. If I, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it in the best way possible. And so <laughs> Tiffany was kind of making fun of me because I just started getting into drinking a uh, pour over coffee. And she kind of laughed at me because I'm like the kind of person that wants to know like, okay, uh, for consistency's sake, I want to know like the ratios, down to the ratios of like what is going to be the very best uh, and, and yield the very best cup of coffee or the best result, whatever. And so uh, what's that going to take? <laughs> what, well, like what for me, what's that going to take? I want to know the exact measurement of beans to grind. I want to know like the exact ounces of water to pour through. I want to know the exact amount of what cream or whatever I'm using stevia now. So what's going to create the very, for me, the very best cup of coffee. And, and like, I want to know. And so what did I do? You know, she's smirking even now, but I started watching tutorials. I started watching people that are like people that are doing it like on the, you know, people that are like serious about it, like freaks, coffee freaks that are sitting there telling you, down to like the, to the degree of the temperature of the water that yields the best extraction of the bean, like to that point and watched it and watched it and watched it, practiced it, practiced it, practiced it, probably to the point of, uh, obsession. But you know why? Because I'm trying to get instruction by people that know what they're talking about, that do it at, as maybe as a barista or somebody that's working at a coffee shop. I want to know exactly what they know or what they've learned. And so what's that going to do? It's going to help me to produce. The same is true in every area of life. People want to produce, but they don't want correction. How is that? How does that make sense? I want to produce, but I don't want correction. I want to produce at the highest level, but I don't want correction. See, that's not wise. That's foolish. 
That's foolish. If we're going to continue to do the same thing over and over the same way we've always done it, even though errors are built in and then keep asking God to increase us. No, get some impartation, some correction from somebody that's been there, done that and understand it'll take correction will take you higher. So the fear of God and correction are number two. Correction is actually what brings your direction. And so number two, wise people seek out correction. Wise people seek out correction. That's the second thing that we need to get today. Number one, guard your heart. But number two, seek out correction. I'm always looking for correction. You know, if I, if I do, if I produce something like, for example, if I produce something, whether that be a piece of written content, if I'm writing a book and I finish a chapter, uh, if I produce something that's a video, if I produce something that's graphic or, uh, you know, like graphics or whatever, whatever I might be producing, I will, I will show that to people, people that I know also produce. And I'll say, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What, what do you not like about this? What do you think could be better about this? I ask that question so often. What do you think could be better about this? What do you hate about it? I don't want to hear what they like about it. I don't want to hear what they think is great about it. I want to, I want to hear what is off-putting, what's distracting, what it, you know, is uh, disinterested. It causes them to become disinterested. Uh, uninteresting things about what I've done. I want to know those things. Why? Because once I know those, that kind of feedback allows me to increase and become more effective. I'm not getting upset when people tell me that, well, this, I don't, this wasn't that great. That does not, that's not that great. Good. I want to know that because that'll cause me to become better, uh, at that thing or in that area. And so that's number two, seek out correction. Number one, guard your heart. Number two, seek out correction. Number three, Proverbs 29. Let's go there the 29th proverb. And we're going to look at something that we looked briefly at last week. This is the same, this is a, the same proverb that we read. And this is principle number three, Proverbs chapter 29. And let's read verse number 18. The Bible says where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And so the third area that we're talking about from Proverbs today is the area of vision. You've got to acquire vision for your life. You know, anytime this, this blows my mind though. If I speak to somebody about something they're doing or something the Lord's called them to do, I will ask them straight out. You know, like, what is your vision for this? Like, what is your goal for this? What's your vision? What's your goal? I asked, I mean, I had several conversations last week where I asked that question. What's your vision for this? What's your goal? Got the answer, okay? Because here's a question that you cannot ask until you ask the first one, what's your strategy to get there? You can't ask that of yourself or anybody else unless you know where you're headed. You just can't ask it. 
you know, it's like I was, I've talked about this and people were very happy. I did this on the broadcast. We talked about smart goals. If you missed that, go back and watch it. We talked about what the acronym SMART means. You know, it's specific, measurable, all of that. Achievable, relevant, time sensitive. So if you understand what those are, specific is so important because it helps you to actually have a vision. You know, how would you even know how you were doing in your vision if you didn't know where you're going? So for example, it's a horrible goal to just say like, I'm gonna lose weight. What does that mean? You know, if you lose a quarter of a pound, you've achieved that goal. You see, if, if you've, if you say, well, I, my goal is to lose weight. All right. You lose a quarter of a pound. You've, you've accomplished that. And obviously I know that's not what your goal was. Your, your goal was not to lose a quarter of a pound. So what is your goal? What is a specific goal? What's your vision? Okay. I want to lose 20 pounds. Well, that's, that's good. That's a specific goal. What's even better. I want to lose 20 pounds in, in the next three months. That's even better because now you've set yourself a deadline and you have a specific goal that's measurable. So now I can see how I'm doing across three months. See, if you don't have a vision, and that's what Proverbs is teaching, if you don't have a vision, then you'll perish. You'll, uh, the word perish is misleading there. Uh, that's why more modern translations use the term cast off restraint. Hey, Kemba, love you, buddy. That if there's no vision, people cast off restraint. So let me give you, in, in just in the, uh, example of the weight loss category we just talked about. If I've got a goal to lose 20 pounds over the next three months, that means I start putting some restraint upon myself so that I can accomplish the goal. Well, I want to have this much money in the bank by the end of next year. Okay. I'm going to start putting some restraint upon myself so that I can accomplish that goal. If there is no specific goal, if there's no vision, Proverbs says, the people cast off restraint. That means they just do whatever they want. If you have no goal to lose weight, you can eat whatever you want. You understand that? If, if you're not trying to lose weight, you can eat whatever you want. If you're not trying to save a specific amount of money, you can spend whatever you want. There's no restraint. There's, there's no restraint. And so, no, that's Habakkuk. Uh, Nick, Nick's asking on YouTube, uh, write the vision and make it plain. Isn't that, is that in Jeremiah? That's in Habakkuk chapter two. And we covered that, uh, last, last week as well, but understand something where there's no vision. If you don't currently have a vision for your life where God's called you to go, and it's not a vision you make up. It's a vision you get from the Lord in prayer. That's why, uh, here in the ESV, it says where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. I don't just want to make a vision for myself. I want to have a vision from the Lord. That's my goal. What's my vision from the Lord? You see. And so the third area that we're looking at today is if I don't have anything specific that I'm running toward, there's nothing to restrain me from just doing whatever I want. If I want to accomplish a goal for the kingdom, I need to know what it is. And as Nick said, write that vision down. Did you know, I mentioned this last week, did you know that you're 42% more likely to accomplish a goal that you've written down? Let me say that again in case you've never heard that before. I mean, that's mind blowing. You are 42% more likely to accomplish a goal that you've actually written down. By writing it, you get specific with it. I can't remember who who it was that I uh, heard teach this might've been Maxwell. I can't remember, but he said, 
uh, in speaking about your vision, let's say you had a vision for your, uh, like a vision statement for your business, your ministry, whatever it might be. He said, if you can't write that down on the back of a business card, it's not clear enough what you're called to do. If you cannot write that down on the back of a business card, then if you need five pages to write out the purpose of your business or the purpose of your calling or the purpose of your ministry, then you don't know clearly enough what you're called to do. You've got to boil it down until it is so crisp and clear and concise that within two, three sentences, you could give the entire vision statement of your business or ministry. And that's the key because here's the thing. If your vision is far too wide or if you're, let's say your, um, your description of what you're going to be doing is far too wide, you'll never accomplish it with any kind of impact. It, it, you just won't. You just won't. It has to be, think about this. There's a reason that they, that when somebody does like a surgeon does a surgery, they don't use a chainsaw. They use a scalpel. <laughs> now, sometimes a laser. You've heard the term laser accurate. There's a reason they don't come in and use a chainsaw. It's not specific enough. The blade's not specific enough. It's not accurate. It's not precise enough. You can really get down to accuracy and accomplishing something very, very specific and very, very even something that may look difficult if you have a sharp enough tool or instrument. Your vision's got to be sharp. Um, scroll back up for a second because Nick brought up a good point there. A little bit more. Psychological studies have shown unless you read it and write it twice a day at least, your subconscious will do everything to prove you wrong if no action is taken. Very interesting. Read it and write it. You know, I, I'm not against that. I encourage people uh, to keep some sort of a record or a journal. I've always encouraged people to do that because it helps you to see where you've been. Why do you think people take before and after photos? Why do you think they do that on renovations of homes? Why do you think they do that when they're working out, when they start, they take a before photo of what they looked like before? I was even just doing some study on music production. And they tell you that before you even to start, after you've recorded all of your music, they tell you before you start mixing it down, doing a, a musical mix, they, they say, save a separate mix of, of what it sounded like raw before you did any mixing. Because as you sit there with that same song for five, six, seven hours, you're not going to, it's just like when a, uh, if you have a kid in your house that's growing, you see, they, they don't seem to change. You go see relatives that you've not seen in eight months. Like, man, he's so huge. And to you, it's just like, yeah, well, he's been, you know, growing every day. It's the same with that save a, a copy of it so that when you go back after seven hours and you're like, well, I've been doing all this work, but it doesn't seem like much has changed. Yeah. We'll compare it to the raw files. Go back and compare how, how you look after working out for six months to the original picture. So there, there's, there's something great about that because what it does is it it's encouraging because it allows you to see how far you've come. It's, it's amazing to me. Uh, Jenna, who works with us, just sent us over a screenshot. She's going through and doing all of the books, you know, for the ministry and showed um, what we brought in in our ministry in the very first year that she was with us and then showed us how now uh, one month 
we bring in more than what we, we used to for an entire year, 12 months. And that, you know, you think, well, you, you just see slow, steady growth and you're like, well, yeah, God's blessing us. But then when you look at it in that, in that context, you're like, my good, like it's, it's insane to see the increase that's taken place in less than 10 years. It's like mind blowing. But if you don't have that comparison, you can't really be, have that same encouragement. So I encourage people to keep a record of your vision, where you're going, how far have you gone? How far have you gotten? Have you accomplished anything yet? Are you halfway there? Are you three quarters there? You see what I mean? And so writing the vision, writing the vision, it causes you to have a record of where you've been and where you're going. And you can clearly see the blessing of God that's on your life. You can clearly see the progress that you're making. I want you to write it down in the comments section. Write my vision, not the, I want you to personalize it. Write my vision, write my vision. If you don't feel like you have one, begin to pray, begin to fast. God will give you it exactly what he wants you to do. He'll give it to you and you'll be led by the spirit of God. Those that are led by the spirit of God, they're the sons of God. He'll speak to you. He has a purpose for your life. Write my vision. That's exactly it. Let's go to number four, Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, extremely important one. This one right here is your fuel for increase. Write my vision. Hey, Tariq, this is number four. This is one you should know by heart by now. I'm sure you do. Proverbs 17 and verse 22. The Bible says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart, a merry heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And so I want you to see this with me now. This is number four today. Number four is this. I have to make a decision to stay in joy daily. I've got to make a decision to stay in joy daily. You know, I, I, we put a piece of content out, I think it was last week, Tiffany, was it? That said, I generate my own joy. I generate my own joy. And people were like, man, I've never thought of it that way. That's so good. Yes, you generate your own joy. Notice this, joy is not based upon circumstances. That's earthly happiness. That'll fail you every time. Why? Because now you've got to start depending upon good things to happen all the time or things that would make your flesh happy in order for you to have happiness or joy. No, I generate my own joy. In fact, you can put that in, put that in the comments. I generate my own joy. I'm making decisions from the word of God that are causing me to be joyful. What are some of those things? Well, we know what the Bible says. If we'll just read his word, it will become joy and rejoicing to our souls. That's Jeremiah 15, 16. If we'll just ingest this word, it will become joy and rejoicing to our souls. What else? If we'll praise the Lord, if we'll praise him on a daily basis, then we will enter into his presence 
because he inhabits the praises of his people and in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. In his presence is fullness of joy. (laughs) Glory to God. And so you can generate your own joy just by praise and thanksgiving and ingesting the word on a daily basis. In fact, I wrote a whole book on the subject that's called Praise, Laugh, Repeat, How to Live in the Power of Overwhelming Joy. If you go through Praise, Laugh, Repeat, the first book I ever released, you'll see each chapter is an avenue into the joy of the Lord. That's how I set it up. The Lord gave it to me just that way. Each chapter is something you can do to enter in to the joy of the Lord. And so there's multiple ways. I dealt with a bunch of ways in the book. If you'd like to get it, it's available right now on ebook. You can get it on Amazon Kindle. You can get it on Apple Books. You can also purchase it from our website in paperback form uh, or on Amazon.com. Just search Praise, Laugh, Repeat. But if you want it instantly, you can get the ebook right now. And understand something. There are multiple ways to get into supernatural joy. Another one is soul winning. Soul winning brings supernatural joy. Giving brings supernatural joy, the Bible says. Giving. You know, if you, the Bible says it this way, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Did you know that the Bible teaches it makes one happier and more to be envied. Think about that. Happier and more to be envied is the one who gives than the one who receives. That's mind blowing. Happier and more to be envied. So there are multiple avenues into the presence of God, into joy, but you have to choose to take them. That's the thing. I've got to choose to take them. If I don't choose to take them, I will end my day, every day, with no joy. And then people are like, well, God really let me go today. I really didn't understand why I went through that today. I don't understand how come I'm not uh, operating in joy. I don't understand how come I'm not operating in peace. No, it's because they didn't generate their own joy. And, and literally, if you understand Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, the Bible says it this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see that? So the reason this one is so vitally important is because if you don't generate your own joy, you are at the mercy of the strength of the world. Well, whatever the world will provide, whatever your natural mind will provide, whatever your business will provide, whatever your friends can provide. No, I don't want natural joy. I want supernatural joy. You see? And so I've got to generate my own if I want to walk in supernatural strength. Man, I got a lot more to say about that coming up. Supernatural strength. A lot more to say about that coming up. But I want you to deal with this today because you've got to, got to generate your own joy. You've got to do it. Let's go on to number, uh, number five, go to Proverbs chapter three, Proverbs chapter three. I want to read you two verses from this chapter, 
Proverbs 3, I'm going to go with verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. This is number 5. Catch this with me. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I'm going to break that down one more time. It's two verses of scripture. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, or better way to say it, everything you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats bursting with new wine. And understand this is even an Old Testament principle. To the point where we understand that even in the Old Testament, they didn't even have a covenant with Jesus Christ yet. And so even in an Old Testament capacity or principle, we start to see that God has a desire for our barns to be filled with plenty, as it were, and our vats to be bursting with new wine. What's the prerequisite? The proverb tells us, gives us the instruction, gives us the correction. What is it? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your produce. So catch this now. If we will just put God first, it's a God first mentality. Put that in the comments. I need to live with a God first mentality. I need to live with a God first mentality. Hallelujah. If I will, God will put me first. If I put him first, he will put me first. (laughs) I love that. If I'll put him first, he'll put me first. Thank you, Jesus. If I will put him first, he will put me first. Glory to God. And so we honor him. How do we honor him? Those of you that are watching, I'm sure you know. You honor him by tithing. You honor him by giving offerings above and beyond the tithe. You honor him by blessing the poor. You honor him by blessing men of God. You know, one of the things that I still, um, literally still, discipline myself to do, uh, not just once a year, not on Pastor's Appreciation Sunday, and and thank God for Pastor's Appreciation, we should all engage in that, uh, but more than, than just that, throughout my entire year, I make a point to bless the men of God in my life, whether it's my pastor, my father, my uncles, uh, other pastors that I meet, I make sure that wherever I go, I'm a blessing, you know, doesn't matter how you might buy them shoot pairs of shoes, or I might buy them some, uh, you know, a new outfit or might send them a check or, you know, whatever it might be. I make a point to bless the men of God. My, my, my pastor, Bishop Rick, I don't have to wait until it's pastor's appreciation Sunday to bless him. I'll bless him throughout the year. Bless him throughout the year. You know, as God blesses me, I will bless the men of God around me. That's, that's just a rule that I've made in my life. That's without question. I do it all the time. When God blesses me, I bless the men of God around me. That would be a great goal for Uh, you and your pastor, whoever your pastor is, 
that when God blesses you, you bless your pastor as well. Now, I'm not a pastor. I can say that. Uh, you understand I'm not saying it for my own gain or benefit. I'm not anybody's pastor. But you should make a goal to bless your own pastor. You know, it's interesting. A, a young man felt to do this uh, for me. The Lord spoke to him. I didn't ask him to do it. But a young man came up to me just, a, a, what was it, last week, actually. And he said, the Lord told me to do this. And he gave me a handshake and I looked down and he had given me $500 cash. He said, that's for you. I want to bless you. I said, thank you. And the next day, think about this. Think how quickly God works when you obey his voice. The next day, somebody gave him $5,000 in a check form and then someone else cash apped him $1,000. So $6,000 came back in less than 24 hours for that young man. All he was doing was obeying what the Lord asked him to do. And what I'm encouraging you to do is to bless your pastor, whoever your pastor is. As God blesses you, bless them. As God blesses you, if you had some kind of a bonus come in, if you had some kind of a, uh, an increase hit your life, I love to use that as like a first fruits offering and whatever it is that I've been increased with, bless my pastor as well. I love to do that. Bless the men of God. Why? Because it's a biblical principle. We're honoring his servants. Honoring God's servants. That's a scriptural principle, by the way. To honor God's servants personally. Amen. Honor them personally. And when you do that, you're, you're, you're actually putting value on what God has placed value on. Upon he set gifts in the church for the perfecting of the saints. And so I encourage you to do the same tithing, giving offerings to your church or to ministries, uh, blessing the poor and blessing the men of God in your life. You'll see it. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your substance, first fruits of whatever you produce. And then your barns will be filled with grain and your vats will burst forth with new wine. That's number five, is that if you'll follow these, this wisdom here, you know what'll happen? Cause you to walk in overflowing, overwhelming wealth. Increase will hit your life. Morning, Ted, love you, Ashley. Number six, let's do these last two. Uh, go with me to Proverbs 13, 20. Proverbs 13, 20. This one's gonna step on some toes, <laughs> which I'm happy about because it needs to be said, needs to be taught. Proverbs 13 and verse 20, listen to what the Bible says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You hear that? And I'll read verse 21 as well. Disaster pursues sinners, but the, uh, but the righteous are rewarded with good. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is dealing with the relationships in your life. In your life. It, it needs to be said and it needs to be acted out. I don't allow fools in my life and I, I won't give my time to people that have proven themselves to be fools. There's too much to do. Not only that, there are too many hungry people 
that are trying to get answers, that are contacting for help, whatever. I've got too many of those that need impartation to waste my time with people that are fools. You say, well, that sounds, brother, that sounds harsh. No, that's actually not harsh. That's actually stewarding the time and the resources God has given you. Do you know time is the only resource that you can never get back ever? It'll never come back to you. You have to do the best with the time you've been given. And we don't have time to play games with foolish relationships that literally they don't want to, they don't want to change. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to follow God. Let them go do their thing, but you don't have to do it with them. Let them go do their thing, but you don't have to do it with them. The companion of fools, the Bible says, will suffer harm. You know, even the world has discovered this to be true. Did you know that? The Bible says this, but even, even we know in the world, and they tell you, business principles, they'll tell you that you'll become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You will become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's why you want to surround yourself with people who are doing something. People that are actually, one of, one of the things that I love is uh, my friend Brad, uh, who I've been friends with for a long time and he's on the board of our ministry as well. Um, he told me, of course he's a businessman, but he told me, he said, I got these guys that I eat lunch with in Elizabeth City in North Carolina. He said, they're, they're businessmen, you know, they, they've got stuff going on. But he, he said, these are old guys. He said, they're old guys. They're probably in their mid to late 70s. And he said, I go to lunch with them almost every day. He said, not to, not to sit there and tell them stuff or talk. He said, I like to just listen to them talk. Think about that for a minute. I like to just listen to them talk. I like to hear what they have to say. Hmm. That's interesting. I like to hear what they have to say. Well, how did they become multi, 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 multi millionaires? Well, listen to what they have to say. Listen to, listen to the way they think about things. Listen to the way they act on things. You see, listen to the way they conduct their affairs and what's going to happen. The Bible says here, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. If you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. If all I ever do is listen to the advice of fools, watch how fools do things, look how people that don't have any intelligence go about dealing with people and how they guide their lives, that's what I'll become. You know, so, and I'm going to break this, I'm going to say this before I go to this last one, and uh, hopefully it's not offensive. If it is, you'll get over it. But listen. Some things that many people have called generational curses are not generational curses at all. You know what they are? Learned behaviors. That's what they are. Learned behaviors. So people say, well, you know, I, I want you to pray for me, Brother Ted, because this, this runs in my family. This generational curse of heart disease and type 2 diabetes runs in my family. Oh, does it? Or did you learn to wake up every morning and eat pancakes and syrup and biscuits and gravy and then for lunch a triple cheeseburger with bacon 
And then for dinner, you know, funnel cakes for dessert after you have fried chicken and mashed potatoes. Is that a generational curse? Or are you overloading your arteries and overloading your pancreas so it can't even put out enough insulin to take care of all the things you're jamming into your body? Is that a generational curse or is that a learned behavior? Well, this is how my family eats. This is what Thank you, Ed. I love you, buddy. So you see, many of the things people are dealing with, it's not a generational curse. It's a learned behavior because they've learned how to do something from someone who doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. You know, Dave Ramsey took a lot of flack uh, a couple of years ago because he put out a study of habits of things that wealthy people do that poor people do not and will not do. Things that, and I, I should put that out at some point and just release that again because it, it's a really good study. But he did a thing that wealthy people will do and do daily that poor people will not do. It's the whole point of the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that Robert Kiyosaki wrote. It, it's what he learned from his friend's dad that was his rich dad, that his poor dad, which was his biological father, never taught him to do. There are habits. Why do you think that the majority of people in America that are wealthy are generationally wealthy? It's because they've been taught habits that keep them in that bracket. Why do you think poor people many times remain poor? Because they've been taught things that keep them in that bracket. Companion of fools will suffer harm. But if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. It's a key from the Bible. And so guard, I want you to put it in the comments because it's this important. I must guard my relationships fiercely. I want you to put that in because that is no joke. I must guard my relationships fiercely. It's like I see uh, my friend from the UK, Joel Toller, on Pastor Joel Toller. He went to Ramah. Uh, like I went to Rama, you know, we both went to a word of faith school, but see later in his life, you know, now he is a, a, a Manchester fan and I'm, I don't know how you could call that wisdom. And I'm an Arsenal fan, which is where the wise people are. And so even though we went to the same school, had the same training, I have to guard myself around him very much. So got to guard myself. Or else I could become the companion of fools. <laughs> Suffers harm. <laughs> I'm just messing with it. I love to give him a hard time. It's probably me that's in a, a, a more rough area. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta guard your relationships fiercely, fiercely. And people that don't do that, they end up just having whatever, doing whatever, experiencing whatever. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And so you have to guard those relationships. And then let me give you this final one before I pray for you today. This one will stir you up as well. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. I'm going to read you five, five or six verses here. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. One of the things that we have got to, got to do is that we have got to become, if we're not already, 
extremely diligent people. Extremely diligent people. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, any officer, or any ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Listen, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You've got to become a diligent person. If you're not diligent, see, God's looking for diligent people. In fact, the Bible teaches us that if you are a person who is faithful, diligent in your work, you know what will happen? You'll stand before kings, you'll not serve mere men. You'll stand before kings. It means it'll open doors for you. Diligent people, people who are willing to step out and do with excellence what they've been called to do, people that go the extra mile, people that won't cut corners, the diligent, not people that show up to, to their jobs at 9.15 and leave to go home at 4.45. The diligent, those that go the extra mile. I dealt with this, I, I put out an Instagram video last week where I was talking about how to best serve your leader. One of the things that I was talking about was synchronize your heart with their heart and see and understand what they could need in the future, anticipate their needs. That takes diligence. That takes diligence. And so I want you to hear me. The diligent person will be blessed. No, notice the, um, notice the, the contrast here. It's saying the ant who is diligent is blessed in every season. But the sluggard, the lazy person, a little folding of the hands to sleep, a little slumber, Poverty will pounce on you. Want like an armed man. Scroll up a little. Joel said, having a proper attitude towards work has more to do with your fruitfulness and prosperity than just saying money cometh. We do say that. Yes, so our confession is right. But we do believe in the power of speaking the word. But having proper attitude towards work and diligence is vital. No question about it. Because let me tell you something. Part of your diligence is what you do in action. So uh, understand this. I can say money cometh all day long. If I don't tithe and give, money ain't coming. It ain't going to come. My diligent actions, my faithfulness in action are seeds released from my life, not just my words. It's like Jesus told the parable of the man who had uh, his sons that went out. He told one son, go out and do this. He said, I'm not doing it. But then on the way, changed his heart and went and did it anyway. And then he had another son said, go do this. He said, I'll do it. And then when he went, he never got it done. Which do you think that he was actually harsh with? The one who said, I won't do it, but then actually obeyed and did the work. Or the one who had a confession, oh yes, I'll do it. And never did anything in diligence. Well, of course, God rewards the one whose actions were obedient. Whose actions are obedient. So it's not so much about what you say, it's about what you do. Talk is cheap. Jesus said in John 14, 21, the one who has my commandments and keeps them, 
He's the one who loves me. And because he loves me, he'll be loved by my father and I will love him and I'll manifest myself to him. John 14, 21. So catch this. Diligence is seen in your actions. Faith without works is dead being alone. Thank you, Joel, for sowing a seed. I love you, buddy. Appreciate you guys. And so I want you to, I want you to see this with me today. God's looking for diligent people. He's looking for people that will press in. I got some things to share with you soon for this upcoming year, man. It's got me stirred up. But man, we are going to have so much momentum. The faithful. We're going to have so much momentum in 2021. It's going to blow the minds of the wicked. We will have so much momentum. I, I'm just telling you. I feel this thing already. Things are, things are getting ready to ramp up. Thank you, Mimi. Things are getting ready to ramp up like we've never seen. <laughs> Productivity like we've never known. Momentum like we've never had. Get ready. Get ready. Buckle your safety belt, my friend, because we're getting ready to run on a new level. We're going to run on a new level. And for the faithful, get ready to produce. But it's going to take diligence. It's not going to just fall on us. We're going to have to do what we've been called to do faithfully. Faithfully. I'm considering doing something right now. I'm just going to give you a heads up on this. I won't tell you what it is because it's just something for me personally. I'm considering doing something right now with my, with my own life, but I'm actually, I haven't taken any steps to do it yet because um, I'm actually weighing whether or not I can be faithful at it. I'm actually weighing whether or not I can be diligent with it. If I choose to do it and, and give time to it, can I literally be faithful to that thing? Will I increase in it or will it just, just kind of sit around and never get, nothing will ever get done? And so you do have to count the cost before you do something. That's why we don't flippantly enter into things but we do it with purpose. But you ask yourself, if I did this, if I stepped into this, could I be faithful to it? Could I be diligent with it? Or is it, is it going to just sit around? Is it going to be something that doesn't ever get touched? See, because if I make a determination, think about this. If I make a determination that I cannot be diligent in this area, why do it? Why do it? Why even step into it? If I, if, if, if I can't be diligent with it, there's no point. It's just a waste of your time. And what it's actually going to do is steal diligence and time from another more important area of your life. So don't get involved in it, but I'm just encouraging you because hear me today, what we're getting ready to see in 2021, we're getting ready to run on a new level and it's going to be so much momentum. It'll be blowing people's minds. It may even blow yours because God will exceed your expectation. You know, it's not a lack of faith to say God blew my mind in 2020. It's not a lack of faith to say, man, I didn't see that coming. You know why? Because the Bible actually says in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. See that? Or think. That means he will exceed your expectations even of what you thought he could do. Even what you believed he could do. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nobody saying, man, what God did for me was unbelievable. You know, people get all, all uh, convicted. You know, faith people are like, well, I shouldn't say it's unbelievable because I'm a believer. Yeah, but if you understand the Bible, the Bible says he will exceed what you even imagine. 
that he could do. It's okay if God blows your mind. (laughs) It's all right if the creator of the heavens and the earth, the eternal God blows your mind. He has the capacity to do that. So you come to the end of the year and you say, man, God blew my mind in 2020, which he did, by the way. He blew our minds at Miracle Word Ministries. He did more than we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. We stood on in faith, we believed his word, and he it literally blew us up into increase. I mean, it's like amazing. It's amazing. Did it by a prophetic word. And now we're positioned to see the greatest year we've ever seen. And this was the greatest year we ever saw. <laughs> it's going to be the true for, for the faithful as well. It's going to be true for you. Those of you that are watching, let me pray for you at the end of this broadcast. Those of you that are believing for this kind of momentum and increase, because it's coming. I'm telling you, this was our year of violent increase, but I'm just, I'm encouraging you right now, get ready for a momentum like you've never seen in this upcoming year. Prepare yourself for a momentum like you've never known. And Father, I pray for every person that's watching me today or listening on the podcast, and I ask you in Jesus' name that you would right now Give them an expectation like they've never had in the history of their lives. Take our expectation to a new place because your word declares that you are able to do exceeding abundantly. You can exceed abundance. And so, Lord, you'll do more than we ask and more than we think. So give us the biggest possible vision that we could ever have. Give us the biggest possible imagination that we could ever have and then exceed it by your power. Exceed it by your glory so that you, Lord, we ask you do something that's so big that only you could get the glory for it. Only you could get the praise. Do it so big at the end of this year. Do it so big in 2021. We thank you and we expect it. In Jesus' name, enlarge our vision, enlarge our mind. We give you praise for that. We thank you for that. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section and give the Lord some praise for what's about to come. And I'm going to encourage you as we begin this month to begin this month in sowing. I'm going to encourage you to sow a seed today. And as you do, I want you to ask the Lord, what is it, Lord, that's going to put me in position to reap the most unbelievable harvests in November and December that I've ever seen in my life? What kind of a seed, Lord, is it going to take to take me into that kind of overflow? I'll tell you this, I'm planning to sow the largest seed I've ever sown in my life before this year comes to an end. We're going to release it into the kingdom, largest seed we've ever sown in our lives in Jesus' name. So I'm telling you, get ready. And so here's the, here's the key. Ask the Lord, what can I do today that will bring that kind of increase? What can I do today that'll bring that kind of blessing? And then obey whatever he tells you to do. It's very easy to sow your seed. You can go to miracleword.com and you can partner with us. Stand with us on a monthly basis. We're believing the Lord that God will attach to us, especially as we're getting ready to go on television around the world those of you who've heard me saying it, we're getting ready to hit 180 plus nations with the gospel of Christ and the the Lord opened the doors. But as we're getting ready to do that, I believe God's attaching to this ministry people that will stand with us in monthly partnership to see that kind of increase and touch the world. And God's going to bless you as well. 
Maybe you're watching and the Lord's leading you to sow a large one-time seed of, you know, $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 from your business, from your ministry. Personally, do what the Lord tells you to do and be blessed. For this month of November, I'm so blessed that we get to offer this to you. We're going to give you this as a gift to everybody sowing $85 or more. This book by my friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill, entitled The Power of Daily Bible Reading. This book is a powerful book. Let me tell you something. Here's a man who can show you what it means to be in the power of the Word, Pastor Joel Stockstill. And this book, The Power of Daily Bible Reading, will change your spirit and put you in a place of faithfulness that will bring you into increase. Let me tell you, he and I are working right now that uh, for this upcoming year of 2021, we're developing a, a Bible reading plan daily that is actually going to allow us to read the whole Bible in the first 90 days of the year. And we're going to make that available to every one of you. Uh, we're going to have printable PDFs. We'll be able to send it out to you. He's developing the, um, the actual plan right now. We're working on it together. And I'm telling you, it's exciting because we're going to, if we're going to see the kind of momentum we're confessing, if we're going to see the kind of uh, increase we're looking for, it's going to come through the fuel of the Word of God. And we're going to go through the Word of God in the first three months of 2021 and read the entire Bible. I want you to join us. It's not too much. It's not too hard. You can easily do it. You can easily do it. You can dedicate yourself to do it. And this month, we're going to bless you with that book that he wrote, The Power of Daily Bible Reading, for everybody that sows $85 or more. If you'd like to receive that and you've sown your seed, go to uh, miracleword.com forward slash offer and you can fill out the form and we'll know where to send that book to you so that you can you can get a copy of it and we appreciate you don't forget the brand new miracle word kids bible reading mission is available for november the power of thanksgiving and praise you can go to miraclewordkids.com and uh, choose accept mission and fill out that little form we'll send it to you it'll be absolutely free get your kids involved uh, as we start this new month, this is an awesome, awesome monthly plan for the kids. And we know parents have even been getting blessed by it. So do it with your children. If they're younger, take them through it. You know, re if they can't read yet, read through it with them and watch as your children are supernaturally blessed. Once again, I'm coming to Johnson City, uh, Tennessee for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of The Stand. Pastor Todd and Katie Holmes hosting The Stand in Tennessee. Uh, just like Dr. Rodney Howard Brown is doing uh, in Tampa, Florida. I'm going to be there this coming Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. And if you're anywhere close, come and join us. I have zero idea where Johnson City, Tennessee is. But if you'll look and use Google Maps, you'll be able to locate it, we pray, and uh, get there. It's going to be awesome. Everything can be found on our schedule page of the website. If you go to miracleword.com forward slash schedule, You'll get all the de details, location information, all of that. And uh, it's going to be great. Tomorrow on the broadcast, I've got the wonderful, beautiful, and uh, very prolific Carolyn Elizabeth Shuttlesworth. That's going to be joining me back in the studio tomorrow. Don't want to miss it. 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us today. Thanks for sowing seeds. Thanks for standing in partnership. We love you guys so much. By the way, if you didn't know, for those of you that are sowing largely, we're going to be sending you this limited edition copy 
hardcover with a dust jacket of Further Faster, my latest book, and also one of the greatest study tools you can own as a Christian, the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible with tons and tons of notes uh, for deeper study on the Word of God, maps, timelines, um, not only that, profiles on Bible characters. This is one of the greatest resources for Bible study you can own. We're going to send it to you as our way of saying thank you for those of you sowing $1,000 or more this month. We love you guys. Have a great Monday, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.